Hello, my lovies. Are you a mom who has a child with autism who could use more peace and ease, supportive connection, and tender loving care in your life? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Compassion Confetti for Autism Moms, the podcast. Take a listen as we share wisdom and experiences related to the unique ups and downs of an autism caregiver. I hope to provide you with the resources that will help you meet your needs as you manage what is possibly a loud, messy, and beautiful life. I'm your host, Colette Evangelista. Let's open our hearts, turn on our ears, and get to listening. Hello, my lovies, and welcome to Self-Compassion for Autism Moms. This is our very first episode, and I am so grateful and thankful that we have found each other. Welcome. I hope over the course of the next several years, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I have great plans for us to be friends forever, but let's hope that we can do as much. I just wanted to share my story and help you have an understanding of why I felt it was so important to create this podcast and connect with all the autism moms and autism caregivers out there in the world. And that basically is because... We are a unique tribe, right? We're united in that we have people that we love on the autism spectrum, but each one of us has very unique and different experiences within this genre, shall we say. But at the same time, when you meet another person who understands being a part of this tribe, as soon as you see them, at least in my case, like, I just want to wrap my arms around them because they know, right? A lot of the people in our lives, our family and our friends, like they just don't know. So when you meet somebody who does know, it's precious. And I want to do my part in trying to bring us all together and feel that connection. Because autism sometimes can be a lonely road. Because like I said, for the people that don't know, some of the people that we love the most just do not understand. So I hope to find and create a space here where we can really love and support each other in terms of self-compassion with our experiences loving people on the autism spectrum. So let me give you a little bit about my background. First of all, I have been in the game a long time, okay? I am like practically a dinosaur. I have a teenage son named Everett who's 19 who's on the spectrum. He was diagnosed at about two and a half. And back in those days, there was literally no Google. Like, I mean, I think it had kind of started, but I went into my pediatrician so many times, I think well before he was a year old. And I kept saying that I felt like there was something odd going on with my son. And my doctor kept telling me I was a hypochondriac and telling me that I was a helicopter mom. And what I think is hilarious about this whole thing is the whole time that he's sitting there telling me this. My son is literally turning the lights on and off, on and off, on and off, on and off. And he's opening up the cupboards, open, close, open, close, slam, slam, slam. And the the pediatrician is literally passing judgment on my parenting skills. He's like telling, because what happened? My son Everett, he made eye contact. He had like 20 words. He was incredibly affectionate. So he couldn't have autism. What was I talking about? So anyway, I called him Dr. Da. But what happened is we ended up moving that summer. We moved from Florida up to Michigan, and we had kind of a transitional period where we were staying with my parents while we were waiting for our new house to be done. And I really was hiding in what I like to call the womb of denial, because the womb is like so safe and warm. I'm like, I'm in total denial. There is seriously something going on. 
And there was a real turning point that summer where I took my son to like a farm, you know, where there's like petting zoos and you like walk around, and look at all the animals. And we were doing this like hayride and this long horned steer came up and stuck his head in my son's lap. My son was almost three, stuck his head in my son's lap. And when I tell you this thing had like foam coming out of his nose, he smelled, he had like hay stuck to him and he had those ginormous, huge horns. And he had like his head in my son's lap and my son literally paid no attention. And I was like, okay, this is like for real. So we were living with our parents. It was kind of a crazy summer. And we finally settled into our house that fall. And within the first week of living in our home, my son got an ear infection. I'm sure there's many parents out there whose kids are on the spectrum that know the whole ear infection jam. And I took him in to a brand new doctor in Michigan. And the nurse walked in and she was like, hey, hi, hey, hi. And talking to my kids. And she's like, can I see you in the hallway? I'm like, sure. So we walk out in the hallway and she looks at me and she said, have you ever had your son looked at to see if he possibly has autism? And I like, it was like the world dropped out from underneath me. It was, I'd been asking for over a year. And now here, this woman who saw my son for five minutes saw a problem. So of course, as you all know out there that we go through the whole process of, you know, contacting the right people and getting the diagnosis and stuff. And all I have to say is I knew it was coming, but my soul was still not ready for it. When she said those words, I'll never forget, we're sitting on the floor and he's like crawling behind me, seeking deep pressure. And I had no clue at the time, but now, of course, I totally know what that means. And we're sitting on the floor and she said, yes, I just want you to know that he is on the spectrum. And it was like my soul had been punched in the gut, like a, a sucker punch where all the air just got knocked out of me. And I'm always so envious of those families that, like, they just knew it was coming. And as soon as they hear that, you know, it's autism, they're like, great, game plan. Like, let's put it together. Like, and they're just like, go, go. You know, they're they they're just locked and loaded. That, my friends, my lovies, was not me. I <laughs> pretty much lost my footing for, mm, let's say, like, 12 years. <laughs> Um, maybe a little less. I don't know. That's part of why I started this podcast, because hopefully I can help you guys get there a little faster. But what ended up happening was that very first weekend I go to this, like, it just so happened there was like an autism, like, day locally at one of our local, I don't know, probably autism awareness chapters. I have no idea. But anyway, there was a doctor there and she gave a one hour lecture and she sat on my table of all things. There was a bunch of different tables scattered around and she kind of sat on top of my table and spoke. She was very close to me physically. And I swear to you people, my loves, that I thought that she was talking directly to me. She was like, it is imperative that you rest. It is imperative that you eat well. It is imperative that you exercise. It's imperative that you take care of yourself because in order to be a good parent to your child on the spectrum, you have to have a full cup. There, you know, you do nobody any good with an empty cup. And I'm looking at her like she is speaking directly to me. There was nobody else in the room. I'm nodding my head and I'm like, yes, yes, I will take care of myself. I can do this. Yes, I'm going to be an outstanding caretaker, caregiver. Mm, that didn't really happen. <laughs> As much as I believed it, as much as I heard the rally cry, I can't say that I responded. How I did respond, and many of you may relate to this, was I jumped on that hamster wheel and went, go, 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 go. You know, at the time, and I know that they still do it 
a lot still, and I think it is a great disservice to our families, is that it's like, oh, by the time they're five, like, if you don't get this done by the time they're five, you know, they're not going to have as great of a change, which I think is so unfair to us. So unfair to us. There are people that have strokes in their 60s that can recover neurologically and improve their brain function. So, I mean, do your best, but keep that in mind. But anyway, so I jumped on the hamster wheel and we did everything we could to make it better, right? We had to fix the autism, make it better, make it better. Go, 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 go. So we did ABA, we did RDI, we did Sunrise, we did supplements 12 times a day. We went to all the specialists in different states. We did hypotherapy, we did occupational therapy, we did speech therapy, we did uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Oh, the B12 shots. I used to sneak into his room like right after he fell asleep and I stick it in his butt right when he would fall asleep. And I'm like, okay, if he ever becomes super verbal, he's going to go to therapy and be like, I don't understand why every time I fall asleep, I feel like I'm going to get hurt. I, I mean, literally I, I put money in a jar to pay for that therapy because it's more than likely going to happen. But anyway, We just kept going and going and going because we had to fix it, had to fix it, had to fix it. And we were the family that just did everything. It was like, take the spaghetti, throw it at the wall, pray that something sticks. And oh my God, my goodness, my gosh, can we please not talk about food therapy and food until another episode? That's like literally like 17 episodes for me. You know, we all know that sensory, those sensory issues with eating can be a total bear. At least, I don't know, it's the experience in my house. Please, somebody at some point in time can come hold my hand and help me through that still, because we're still working on it. But anyway, so we did the frantic try to fix it, try to fix it, try to fix it. And what ended up happening, ugh, I pretty much broke. I mean, God tried to slow me down so many times, and I just didn't listen. I ended up in the hospital one time. I was always sick. My level of anxiety and depression, I I was literally functioning at a low grade anxiety and depression for years and had no clue because I was just so intense and so focused and really not doing what I needed to care for myself because I was giving everything to my son and the rest of my family. And I, of course, was coming last. What ended up happening was, like I said, so much guilt, so much overwhelm, fear, uncertainty. It just, it really, it was a lot. And it became, there was a lot of years where I was just surviving, just surviving. And I did not have the support of other autism families at the time. I did not have support from family and friends. I mean, they did their best, family and friends, but they just, they couldn't understand. They didn't get it. And, you know, sometimes those half-hand or backhanded comments of like, oh, well, he'll just eat when he's hungry or, you know, this is so much harder for me than it is for you is is crazy. I mean, those are real things. Those are real experiences and real discussions that were had. And everyone had the best of intentions, but I just, I was really alone. I was really alone. And like I said, it was survival. So anyway, we ended up years and years and years later after all of these years in one area of Michigan that really didn't have a lot of resources. We went and tried to find them on our own. Finally, we decided to move to the Detroit suburbs, which did have far more resources for autism families. And we moved out and it was amazing. I suddenly had friends that had children on the spectrum. There were baseball games. There were basketball games. There were dances. There were so many wonderful things. And to find 
that sense of community was amazing for me. I mean, to not feel alone was such a game changer. But unfortunately, before I could really get my feet underneath me, that move coming here and so many changes in our family's lives, I literally broke in half and became clinically depressed. I had pushed too hard for too long and really had not given anything to myself, and I completely broke. And I don't know if anyone else has ever had something like that, but hitting clinical depression was not fun. But beautiful, beautiful things came out of it. And that was that I had to rebuild my life. And I did, and I have. And a huge part of that is with self-compassion. Now, I just want to reiterate that everyone that is listening has their own story and their own timeline. And like I said, every family with autism is unique and different. And I honor that so deeply that you, we each have our own path. We each have our own experiences. We each have our own hurts and fears and worries and guilt, but we also have our own celebrations and we have our own accomplishments as as a family and as our children move forward. And that is just such a beautiful, colorful way to go through life. But anyway, as I found, as I broke and had to rebuild myself, I found self-compassion. And self-compassion is a lot of different things. And I have to tell you, as you start to practice it, it's not something that you necessarily like. It's a light switch. It is truly a practice. I know people hear this all the time. But as I started to implement self-compassion into my life, some days it was three minutes. Some days it was the whole day. Some days it was while I was brushing my teeth. Some days it was driving in my car. But self-compassion is really three main things. The first is what's called loving kindness. And that's basically is you treat yourself how you would treat someone who is incredibly precious to yourself, the way you talk to yourself, the way you care for yourself. That's incredibly important. And that's something that, you know, takes practice and, you know, we're not always great at, and we can always work to improve because every time you can add a little bit that into your life, it is gorgeous. The other is mindfulness. So, Mindfulness is basically when you're in the moment, right? It's so easy for us to worry about the future, especially with our kids. But mindfulness, if you can stay in the present and really anchor yourself, really helps to alleviate a lot of stress and anxiety that can come up in our lives. So it's a wonderful tool that we're obviously going to talk more about. And the last thing is common humanity or connection. And that is something that, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, like you see an autism parent and you're like, yes, you're a part of my team. We're a team. Let's do this. Like, I mean, I'm friends with people that I probably wouldn't even be friends with in a more natural situation, but because we understand each other so deeply and we know each other's hurts and sorrows and joys and accomplishments that we're just bound together. And I love it. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. So with self-compassion, you want to find these fleeting moments. You just want to find space, whether it be a small amount of time or a larger amount of time, because what ends up happening is you find out like, Hey, I'm going to have a moment of being okay here. Self-compassion helps you become more self-regulated. You become less overwhelmed. Ugh, and one of the best parts about it, seriously, is it introduces tenderness and warmth and care and loving support into your life. I don't know about you, but I so need more tenderness, warmth, care, and loving support in my life. And giving it to myself is so 
lovely. And I'm going to talk about all the ways that I do it. There's like this one thing I do at night and I lay down in bed and I, I stroke my eyebrow. <laughs> I pretend my mom's sitting on the side of the bed and I stroke my eyebrow and I tell myself all the wonderful things I did today. And I tell myself that I'm safe and I tell myself that I'm good. And I tell myself that, you know, you are enough. And I used to go to bed just lacerated with guilt that I didn't do enough. I would lay in bed every night and think, oh my God, if I had been better, he'd be better. If I would have done more ABA, you know, for four more hours today, he would be so much further ahead. If I didn't give him that pizza pizza, maybe he'd be recovered. I mean, like pizza basically, like, I mean, I was basically like pizza is crack. Hey, you want to be a good parent or if you want to be a horrible parent, give your kid a piece of pizza because it's basically crack. You know, that's a lot to put on somebody. <laughs> that's a lot to put on a parent. We're doing the best we can, right? So self-compassion when I lay in bed at night and I stroke my eyebrow and I'm like, you were a good enough parent today. You know, he knows he's loved. He knows that you accept him. He knows that he's safe. I mean, really and truly, can that just be a baseline? Can that just be a baseline for us? They know they're loved. They know they're accepted. They know they're safe. And you know what? That is what I'm trying to give myself. I know I'm loved. I know I'm accepted. I know I'm safe. And I do that through a self-compassion practice. Self-compassion is not about fixing it. Because really, how much can we really fix? We will do our best to help our little beloveds reach their full potential. I love the analogy of them being a plant. Like, we can't control their actual plantness. <laughs> is that a word? Plantness? But we can help control the sunshine, we can help control the water, we can help control the soil, but ultimately they're their own plant, right? I love that analogy. But our lives have challenges and we can't necessarily fix that. But when we are in those moments that are tough, it's how we meet ourselves in those moments, how we offer ourselves tender care and loving support in those moments. That's the beauty of self-compassion. Here's another thing. I kind of talked about it. Can we please give ourselves permission to be imperfect? Can we please give ourselves permission to be a little bit messy? Our lives are loud and chaotic and messy and full of endless obligation. And we're going in a hundred directions at a thousand miles an hour. So it's okay to be messy. It's okay to be imperfect. How are we? How, we can't be anything otherwise. We really can't. So we have to give ourselves the grace and space to be those things. So I'm going to ask you a very odd thing. I'm going to ask you to please love and care for me. I know that sounds weird, but I need you to love and care for me because you've seen and understand the truths that live in my heart and my head. I know that you walked my walk. And so when you love and care for me, it heals me and it helps me and it gives me strength and resilience to move forward every day to do the best I can as an autism caregiver and to love that bunny to no end. And I have to tell you that I need to love you and I need to care for you. It's so important to my heart because my heart shares your heart's tender secrets. And I understand your soul's constant attention to these endless obligations that we have to do the best by our kids. So I invite you on this journey of self-compassion for autism moms. 
I really look forward to having amazing conversations with beautiful people out there that are loving kids on the spectrum and how they're managing to love and nurture themselves at the same time. I look forward to giving you resources that will help you slow down, find peace and ease, rest, warmth, tenderness, gentle, loving care, and never-ending support. And ultimately, that none of us feel alone, that we all feel anchored in love and community. So I'm going to do my best. I'm going to be imperfect. I'll make horrible jokes. I'll swear way too much, I'm sure, because I do love a good swear word. I find them very expressive. But I'm going to love you. I'm going to share with you. I'm going to want to hear your hearts. I'm going to want to hear your mind. I want to hear your stories. They're important to me, as you are incredibly important to me. So I'm going to offer you a big hard hug until we meet again. Thank you for everything. Thank you for being here with me today. You are my lovies. I am always here for you. My final thoughts is going to be to remind you to sprinkle self-compassion all over your lives and may nothing but good things come from it. Thank you so much and take good care, my lovies. So, all right, my lovies, go forth and sprinkle compassion confetti all over your life. May so many beautiful things become of it. To connect more, find me at Compassion Confetti on Instagram and Compassion Confetti for Autism Moms on Facebook. Check out www.compassionconfetti.com for more information on my teaching and speaking, working together one-on-one, and all of the podcast episodes. And toss some confetti at your friends and loved ones. Even if you tell one person about this podcast and that person feels more love and less alone, we have nailed it. Finally, feel free to bury me in confetti by leaving a rating or review anywhere where you listen to your podcasts. Sending a big hard hug until we meet again. Take good care.